Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of a series on gap-filling, when government and governing institutions fail. We're talking with community leaders about how nonprofit and advocacy organizations, as well as local grassroots groups, are doing the work for the community when the government can't or won't. Today we're talking about play and recess and enjoying unstructured joy time joy just pure <laughs> joyfulness <laughs> and it's it's a good time to talk about it because it's actually sunny out in cleveland so what yeah. what's a nice time for all this was a great i i mean i know that we have a lot of fun and play around on all of our recording episodes <laughs> all the puns but this one was a lot of fun and i think that we uh I, we walked away really with a new understanding of the importance that uh, that recess and play can bring. Yeah. And so for me, and, and this comes through in the podcast in so many, so many times, um, but I, I'm, and it's just sitting with me that there's so much about play and unstructured play in particular that teaches us really important life lessons broadly, but specifically civic skills like how to talk to people, how to negotiate rules, how to dialogue, how to address conflict. And I just like, there's so much there. And I feel like I knew it, but I just hadn't thought about it in a deep way. And th- this episode just, I I loved it. I, I loved every part of the conversation. And I feel like you can hear all of us smiling like throughout the entire conversation. Yeah. I mean, there was just something so I won't say innocent, but uh, I I don't know, childlike, but like trusting and just so clear about how uh, our guest today was invested in community, not just because these things occur in a community, not just because Recess Cleveland operates in a community, but because he he wants to invest in the children that he interacts with and give them an opportunity to learn these skills that are important, not just at recess, but in being a, a good, uh, you know, a, a good member of a community in the future, how, in a low stakes environment that you can learn how to negotiate uh, the rules of of the game with somebody uh, and that you, you know, want to do so in a way that is from a perspective of that everybody gets to have fun. Everybody should have fun and everybody should have an experience of, you know, of winning and being successful and, and having a good time. Uh, and I just, there's just something that's so, I think, positive and uh, really, uh, you know, communal about that perspective. Yeah, I absolutely. And it, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, in many ways, the organization and, and that we kind of talk about Recess Cleveland in this episode really is, you know, the quintessential school of democracy, like, <laughs> um, you know, creating spaces to figure it all out um, and to practice democracy in such a joyful way. And, I, and so I'm, I'm super excited to have with us today, Alexander Robertson. 
Alexander Robertson is on a mission to help residents who don't usually attend community meetings get more involved in their communities. Alex is the founder and executive director of Recess Cleveland, a fun community-building nonprofit that helps families become more active using pop-up events featuring kickball, dodgeball, art, music, and unstructured play activities. Alex grew up in the Glenville neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. Although his grandfather was illiterate, Alex's village of supporters helped him graduate from university school in Hunting Valley, Ohio, a degree from the computer engineering program at Columbia University School of Engineering and Applied Sciences in New York City. And when not at recess or spending time with Xander, his six-month-old son, Alex is also an avid volunteer who frequently speaks to youth about entrepreneurship and the importance of education. Thanks for joining us today, Alex. Thanks for having me. So now, uh, as as per usual, as our listeners know, we like to ask you a little bit about yourself, <laughs> which of course comes directly after Ashley. Just read your bio, but I know there's a lot more to you than just what's in your bio. So Alex, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, again, I was born and raised in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Grew up in the Glenville neighborhood. I guess my story starts with my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather was illiterate. Like he literally signed his name with an X, but he can build a house from the from the first brick brick to completion. So he was a, a bricklayer slash entrepreneur. Uh, and my grandfather or my grandmother, even uh, we call her Big Mama. Uh, she was the glue of the family, and she could perform miracles with whatever resources the family had. So um, it was at a very young age. She told me a story where if you ha- all you have is a potato to your name. You could feed nine kids, uh, my aunts and uncles in this case, and some of their friends with potato soup. And that story alone, I used to kind of propel and and kind of uh, as motivation for some of the problems that I saw with Recess Cleveland. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my father decided he didn't want the job, so my mom uh, grew up in a single parent, single mom household. But I had a, a army of supporters. So I was a in a big brothers, big sisters program. I'm still good friends with my big brother today and went to growing up. I was a straight A student. So of course that helped. I went to St. Agatha, St. Aloysius school uh, on Lakeview and St. Clair. Uh, I then transferred from that school to university school through a program called the Reese program and finally to Columbia University, uh, where I was the first male in my uh, family to graduate. And I graduated with a degree in computer engineering uh, from Columbia University and Ivy League School. So a uh, very interesting progression. How did I get into nonprofit stuff? Well, I tore my Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was visiting Cleveland it was like the first warm day in April. This is about seven, eight years ago. And I was playing basketball at Euclid Beach Park. Unfortunately, this was not a glorious injury. I was playing defense. I, I, it felt like someone stepped on the back of my shoe that may or may not have happened. And all of a sudden, my Achilles is torn. Uh, oh, rather no. than go back to uh, experience New York City, where I was living at the time on crutches, 
uh, I decided to recover on my mom's couch. <laughs> uh, a representative from the Famicos Foundation, a local CDC, Community Development Corporation nonprofit, uh, knocked on my door after he heard that I was in Cleveland uh, recovering. Uh, and he offered to, uh, or he offered me a job, actually. He wanted me to, wow. to, uh, to, of all things, work as a supervisor for a landscaping program. And I was like, dude, I can't walk. <laughs> like, you to yeah. the lawnmower. And uh, he was like, no, no, you really have been, uh, you know, a, a great mentor. Or you, we need you to be a mentor to the kids. Uh, we've heard all the success that you had in New York. And again, we just want you to mentor the kids. Uh, and for this job, you can ride a bike. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't doing anything at the time. So <laughs> I hopped on a bike and uh, started uh, mentoring kids in my neighborhood. That program became called uh, Cleveland Youth Landscaping, and uh, each summer we hired 50 kids from the neighborhood. They made 12 bucks an hour, and I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't making 12 bucks an hour at 14. Uh, but we, <laughs> we hired I wasn't 14. making 12 bucks an hour after college. <laughs> I know, right? Like, these kids were balling, right? So uh, uh, we, they were 14 to 18. They were making 12 bucks an hour, and they were cutting the yards of our Glenville residents for free. Nice. And while they were work or getting trained on, you know, various workforce skills, uh, in, in addition to resumes and, and whatnot, the, our our supervisors were uh, learning about some of the barriers they had to a better quality of life, and we were trying to help them with various wraparound services. So that was my intro um, to kind of that's the nonprofit amazing. world. Uh, thank that's you so amazing. much. I, really, that's I think that's the best bio we've ever had. <laughs> Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> what? No. What an incredible story! Like uh, to to just find yourself at home, recovering at your mom's, and then just just whole. It's like your whole world just flipped. That's exactly. it. Really, is an incredible story. Thank you so much. Um. So you're also the founder and executive director of Recess Cleveland. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization? So the mission of Recess Cleveland is to build healthy active and connected communities using recess, organized play, and playful learning. So the, the landscaping program is a good leeway uh, to the story of Recess Cleveland. Let me take a step back first. In high school, I was really, really good at dodgeball. Like <laughs> um, at university school, we had this field day where, you know, they were the entire school participated. Everybody dressed in one of eight colored t-shirts. It was kind of like Harry Potter. So from K to 12, like you're on this one big team, like with everybody wearing the same color shirts. So this led us to play like this giant game of dodgeball where it was like 30 on 30. And I was on the brown house wearing a brown T-shirt. And during those games, I would get 15 people out by myself. <laughs> I was I was super arrogant with it, too. Like I would count one for Alex for Alex all the way 15 for Alex and then when I got out like everybody clapped like finally you <laughs> that's know, awesome like, this dude is killing everybody right <sighs> and I wanted to say I still had a passion for dodgeball this is years later and now I'm running uh, a youth landscaping program and I asked five of my employees like if they wanted to play some dodgeball and four of them said they never played before and I said whoa what what, what is what are they teaching you at school like <laughs> What is going on here? So um, I applied for a grant uh, from Univer or Neighborhood Connections, 
and we were awarded $2,000 to start what is now uh, Recess Cleveland. Uh, the very first event happened the day after we had a community block party in the Glenville area, and it was also my birthday. So half of the attendees were there because it was required to be a good friend and show up <laughs> for our very first event. Uh, we had over 100 people show up. Uh, mm-hmm. And our first event was at an abandoned school. It's called Harry Davis uh, School of the Arts. Actually had programming there for one year. But uh, it's known as Harry Davis. It's on the corner of Churchill and 105th Street in the Glenville neighborhood. And that very first event, we definitely played that 30-on-30 dodgeball game that I wanted. So my <laughs> wish was fulfilled. Uh, but in addition to that, there was food, there was music, there was line dance contests. We played soccer. And that we played a, a very special kickball game that we like to call Table Food versus Similac or 21 and Younger versus 22 and Older. <laughs> and... Again, all of this happened. It was unscripted, and it happened the very first recess event. But wow. during that game of table food versus similar kickball, we had a 65-year-old grandma pitching to a five-year-old kid from <laughs> our neighborhood. And I was like, this will never happen. Like, what is going on here? Like, this will <laughs> never happen if it wasn't, like, recess event, right? Right. And when grandma was up to kick, we saw all these kids, these high schoolers, you know, the athletes, the football players, the basketball players from Glenville and Collinwood. They took 10 steps up thinking it was an easy out. And grandma kicked it over their heads in left field. And I remember the left fielder running back like, Granny got leg. Oh, no. <laughs> and grandma made it to first base. It was like, OK, substitute runner. I'm done. But <laughs> it was just I, I knew after that moment it was it was going to be something special. We only had fun to throw three more events, but because we got so much community support, people started donating food. They started coming out early to, to you know, help us set up and staying late to take down. Like there was so much community investment that we threw 10 events that first, that first year. And we just kept growing rapidly from there. Uh, it just kept like to the point where in 2019, we threw 82 events and had 8,300 people come out. Okay. So, Yes. Jeez, that is incredible success. Oh, uh, thank that you so amazing. much. That is amazing. I love it. And I, I, to kind of make the events even, even more fun, we've added bounce houses, uh, inflatables, Zorbs, which are those bubble suits that you can bounce around in. We also have the hamster Zorbs that you can climb in with your entire body and run around like a hamster inside. So we added all this fun stuff, again, with feedback from our attendees on how we can make it more fun. Uh, and I guess the biggest, the, so we, we add all this stuff, right? And sometimes the adults are like, Hey, we need a bounce house for us. So we, <laughs> we bought, we bought a 40 foot by 30 foot bounce house that can fit 10 adults and we throw bounce or we throw a uh, dodgeball tournaments inside of it. It's so much fun. Uh, uh, awesome. but there's art music, uh, again, more line dance contests. And again, we just try to get everybody out in the, in the neighborhood uh, to drop their cell phones and have fun. That's Recess Cleaver. I, I mean, there are so many cool things about this program. And I guess I don't even know where to start asking my questions. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at schools. It is increasingly common in my experience that schools are just cutting recess from their curriculum, which is odd because, you know, with with, with 
a larger number of kids being diagnosed with ADHD, especially that's like one way that you can help kids, you know, exactly. learn to manage that. So it, 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 it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly kids get a lot of benefit from being outside and being at recess and learning to play. What is it that kind of inspired you as a, a way to start this program that you saw that you could benefit children in, in doing so? So, uh, you know, in the earlier story, Recess Cleveland started as a community passion project just to get the community out to play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, until uh, my mom and I uh, attended a pancake breakfast uh, through United Way as volunteers uh, to make pancakes for the entire school, among some other volunteers. And I remember the principal after we we you know make, after everyone was served breakfast, the principal came up to us and said, "Hey, we need you know recess monitors. Will anybody like to help?" And in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Oh, she don't know who she messing with. Like, she I'm the recess king. We about to have some fun today. I might go get my truck. Anyways." Uh, I, the, half the school goes into the uh, the gymnasium, and all they're like seventeen recess coordinators this day, and we're all standing against one wall under a basketball hoop, and the entire half of the school is is sitting on the bleachers, and then five minutes later they're still sitting on the bleachers. Fifteen minutes later they're still sitting on the bleachers. Half an hour later they get up, they go back to class and the other half of the school comes in and they sit in the bleachers. What, except this, I remember this group, there was one, they were being too loud. So security was called to kind of get anything in order, everything in order. And uh, the security guard was like, if y'all go be loud, like be loud and educational. So they start singing their ABCs really (laughs) loud and making music. And I'm like, wow, this is recess now. Like, this is what is happening. And I did the research. 42% of schools nationally have cut or heavily reduced recess. Uh, unfortunately, too many people think that like the learning stops at recess and it's not true. Uh, there are academic benefits, um, like students who have recess return to class more focused and less fidgety. That's fact is proven. And again, as you mentioned with, especially with kids with ADHD without that brain break, Oh, it's trouble. And um, they're ready to to learn there. They, for the most part, they get higher test scores because they had that brain break. Uh, And then there are obvious, obvious physical benefits to recess. And there's no way to no better way to prove that than in our current environment after a pandemic. We've all been in the, the house for a year staring at screens <laughs> and we feel physically and mentally just drained. Well, according to a report from Robert uh, Wood Johnson Foundation, um, 42% of physical activity at school occurs at recess. That's more than 32% during phys- or PE or organized play. And 26% of uh, after school or doing after school programs and activities. Wow. 42% of physical activity occurs at recess. 32 during phys ed class and 26% at after school. Yeah. You stop taking recess from these kids, please. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, they're the social benefits. And I like to think, like, if you've ever watched, like, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader as an Adult? <laughs> Right. You, you know, like you, you've studied this stuff before and you, you can answer these questions, but you've forgotten so much of it. Well, 
the foundation for our social skills actually start at recess. And we practice those every day. Uh, conflict resolution, making new friends, connecting with people, creating new games, finding your passion. They're, they're all rooted in recess. And by removing recess, you're taking opportunities for these kids to practice those skills. And then you wonder why they get uncomfortable during, um, you know, job interviews as they, as they grow up as adults. More recess as a child sharpens those skills as an adult. Give them more recess, please. Now, so one of your programs is trying to get recess put back into school. Can you tell us a little bit more about those efforts? So we have a program called Restore Recess that actually encompasses the public events that we throw out in the community and also the events that we throw in schools. the events that we throw in schools in particular, unfortunately, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to working with kids like in schools when you're uh, a nonprofit. Uh, so we take the funds from our paid events and we throw free events at CMSD schools. So a lot of our events are at no cost to the schools. So when you knock on the door and say, hey, we want to we want to play games, bring our truck and have a lot of fun. Doesn't cost you anything. It tends to open doors. Uh, And some schools have used it. uh, have used our restore recess programming as a reward for students who have uh, perfect or near perfect attendance. Uh, They've used it as support of existing events like, you know, parent teacher conferences, uh, you know, food distribution events, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But we hope that one day with, you know, we've thrown enough of these events to, you know, prove the the benefits of recess that I mentioned earlier. And we'll be able to raise enough funds to actually take over existing recess at schools. What what is it that. Uh, I mean, in your experience, is the root cause of schools canceling recess? Is it resources? Is it that they don't have enough resources to actually uh, have playgrounds? Or is it staffing issues? Twofold. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of school districts, uh, recess is not a, um, uh, it's, it's not a space in the day where teachers must report in and watch the kids. So, you go from... X number, let's say your school has, you know, 500 kids and, you know, 50 teachers that are watching the kids at all times and during various classes. You go from those 50 to one or two, maybe three recess coordinators, uh, you're going to to experience more conflicts on the, the playgrounds because there isn't enough supervision. And it's while getting volunteers to try and help it with if the volunteers don't show up or if they're not on time, it, it, it makes it very hard to depend on them. So a lot of schools, yeah, they just don't have those the physical resources needed to supervise X number of kids and it becomes a problem. So one of the other things that I heard, and I honestly don't know if this is accurate, so maybe you can help me figure out if it is, um, mm-hmm. is that there's also increasing amount of time dedicated to curriculum, yes. right? So even finding the amount of time it. in the day to have recess has been a com- has been complicated because they need more time for math, more time for reading, more time for all of the required content. Yes, you read my accurate? mind. That is 100% uh, yes. accurate. <laughs> test scores. <laughs> the, the, the test scores. Yes. So test scores, right? Like you, a lot of schools have these 
well, depending, well, that's a different conversation on whether or not they can achieve them, but they, they're, they're failing as a school, right? And they need to increase their test scores or else they, their funding is in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera. So you look at the schedule and it's like, hey, we have to make, we have to increase math scores. Okay, that means they need more math, math classes. Where does this time come from? And they take it from recess. Simple as that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many, there's just so many layers to it, right? Like (laughs) probably not enough space on the podcast to unpack it all. So the pandemic has also kind of shaped this, right? So you go from kind of limited recess time, limited access to free play in a traditional normal, I don't even know if the word normal even works anymore, um, pre-pandemic time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then the, you know, the pandemic closed so many schools or limited the amount of space that was available for free play, the amount of people that can be in a gym or engage in after-school activities. A lot of that was brought to a halt and some of it's coming back, but still really complicated. How does Recess Cleveland, how did you all try to fill that gap um, left by all of the kind of the closure or the limitations placed on all these public spaces? So that, that was a tough time for recess for obvious reasons. (laughs) Uh, But a personal story is I was the 178th person in Cuyahoga County to get COVID (gasps) myself. And I was unfortunately out for six weeks. So after going through that and then the, the number of cases of COVID rising very rapidly, we were going to shut down recess, period. I didn't want to put anybody else in what I had to go through, right? Uh, Unfortunately, that's not how grants work. So (laughs) they still want their deliverables. So we received a grant from 10-Minute Walk Foundation, and we were partnering with Trust for uh, Public Land, and they came up with the idea of doing what we call an activity book and the brand highlights may have just made a bunch of, you know, millennials <laughs> uh, smile, uh, similar ideas, just like the, the book highlights where it's, it's a hundred percent focused on the culture and the people found in the Clark Fulton neighborhood, which was our target population. There were in this activity book, there were uh, crossword puzzles. There were, uh, connect the dots puzzles. There's a little bit of history. Uh, always got to be educational. Uh, but the the point in, of the, the in-person recess events that we were going to throw in Clark Fulton before the pandemic was to gather feedback on a potential park space that they were building on the corner of Clark and Train Avenue. I'm sorry, Clark Avenue and Train. So we had to do it via the activity book. So there was a page where it was like this open space and we gave you different or examples of things that go into a park, like a splash pad, like swings, like American Ninja warrior (laughs) kind of attraction. Right. And then you got to draw them in this space. And what the the participants didn't know is that that was feedback we were going to hand directly to the city uh, to actually influence what goes into this park. So very creative participatory design, uh, got a shout out Art by Love for uh, doing the book for us. And another page in the book was a, a empty wall, like a wall of a building. It was from it was actually illustrated from an actual wall that will exist right next to the park. 
and we asked artists to draw their art on this wall without them knowing that this art, that art could potentially end up on that wall next to the park. So genius ideas. And uh, it didn't involve, you know, spreading COVID. So it opened the door to other ideas from Recess Cleveland. And what we came up with uh, after the activity book, an activity kit sounds great, right? So how do you package the, the experience at recess of recess into something mobile and social distancing friendly? Well, you take a five-gallon bucket or, or the inspiration actually came to me while uh, my wife was making one of those like meal plan home chef kits. And so I'm staring at this kit and I'm like, uh, so it has, it has ingredients to make the meal and the, the uh, recipe to make the meal. I was like, okay, let's create an activity kit with the ingredients, a.k.a. the play equipment, and the recipe, a.k.a. the rules to the game. So we created this. We took a five-gallon bucket. We stuffed it with 70 different play items. And then we threw a book in there, a rule book, that has 20 games you can play with the items in this bucket. And we called them recess kits. Uh, We were able to raise over $24,000 to distribute over... Uh, 17,000 play items via this, this, uh, the recess kits. And I got to shout out Neighborhood Connection, City of Cleveland, Cleveland Foundation, John Carroll and Verizon for making it such a success. And uh, families all over the city have fun via those recess kits. And there's more. <laughs> so we had a, we were going to appear at our four different rec centers, 10 times, once a week, same time every week. So 40 total events at these rec centers. Uh, but unfortunately, that was that contract was signed pre-COVID. So post-COVID, uh, it got cut in half, but 20 is better than zero. And they gave us permission to test out uh, social, socially distant gaming. Um, so we took we looked at all 90 games that we organized and we rewrote the rules to 40 of them uh, so that they are now socially distance friendly and we can teach kids how to have fun during a pandemic. So games like tag where you normally like, you know, reach out and grab somebody. We just took a pool noodle, cut it in half and made sure everybody was holding pool noodles. And then you got, if you get tagged with a pool noodle, you're out like, and that keeps you six, at least six feet away from someone. And then there's the obvious, uh, they're the obvious games that hundred percent translate easily. And that's our, like bubble soccer. So uh, if you're not familiar with bubble soccer, uh, imagine hopping in like this giant uh, sphere that's about six feet tall, but cored out in the center like an apple. When you're ready to play, you put this bodysuit on, your arms are in the inside, your feet are exposed and running around. But when everyone is in these suits, you're literally a walking bumper car. So (laughs) there is no physical way to get within six feet of someone and it's incredibly fun uh during social distancing times uh during a pandemic so we played those games in the rec center as well so we got creative i love that that is uh i I mean it's creativity but it's just like bringing joy during a time of what could be really you know kind of sadness and you know not not feeling great about uh the future or the the present even so i really love that oh thank you now, Recess Cleveland, uh, I believe we captured this off of your website, believes in collaborating with organizations. I mean, clearly from the list that that we have right here, just uh, from your from your previous story, but 
collaborating with organizations that have years of experience in providing resources to uh, their community and the communities that they're in. Can you just give us a little bit of insight into this approach to these collaboration efforts and how, like, how did you reach out to folks or how did you even know uh, to, to think of reaching out to, I'm just thinking like Verizon, uh, but different groups that might be willing to collaborate with you on these efforts? So again, my mom really believes in civic engagement and she, uh, in, in addition to like being or running a nonprofit myself, uh, made me go to all of these community events where they're discussing like all these different programs that are available to, you know, residents in the neighborhood. And I'm looking in these events, these, these meetings or whatnot, community meetings. And I'm like, you're there are 20 people here, 15 people here, or 15 of the 20 are here every week. They're the usual suspects, right? <laughs> and then I go to recess, and there's 100 people, like 50 people that I, I just met for the first time, right? And I'm like, how do I meld these two together? So uh, one of a friend of mine and dear friend of recess Cleveland, uh, Monique Davis, at the end of one of our... Um, our summer series in the Detroit Shortway neighborhood uh, invited all these community partners, and there were there were school bags being given out. There were people, there were adults braiding kids' hair. There were barbers cutting, you know, kids' hair. There was yoga. There was one one year PNC showed up with the learning center. There was free food from local restaurants, and I'm like, hmm, this is this this could be. Uh, uh, a great opportunity to start those collaborations. And uh, just last last Tuesday, I took my son to the doctor's office and they handed me a, a sheet. Uh, and at the top, it said social determinants of health. Right. Or and it asks you questions uh, about, you know, whether or not you have adequate access to food, employment, health care, safe housing, etc. And I answered yes to all those questions, but I, I recognize that not everyone can answer yes to those questions. Uh, because Recess Cleveland can't physically provide all of those resources, we rely on connections to organizations like the ones that I said before in Detroit Sherway, uh, who bring in those resources needed to help everyone answer yes to all of those questions. Now, I mean, you look to collaborate with organizations, but you're also uh, seem to be interested in working with community members and kind of creating new ways to engage with Recess Cleveland. Can you just tell us about kind of different ways in which people engage or, you know, including like taking part in a human football tournament, right? And helping you kind of fulfill the mission that you're on. Well, uh, no two recess events are alike because we literally show up with a truck full of all of these games and we ask the attendees who are there and present, like, what games do you want to play? Wow. So there there are a few that are automatically set up, but if I asked you if you wanted to play Capture the Light, you don't know what that is because we created it, you know? So we, we tell you what it is at the event and then we set it up. And if it's not fun, we change the rules <laughs> so that to make it fun. So our attendees make our recess events as the, the, the best volunteering experience on the planet because it, everyone just has so much fun at these events. And volunteer is our, our next kind of tier after attendee. 
Like it, it's is funny because some neighborhoods we our truck pulls up, I hop out, and I feel like Santa Claus because all these kids run up and they're like, "Hey, Alex, what's good?" Like, and they because they they've been to several events, they know what the initial setup looks like. So all we have to do is open the back of the truck and start passing out things. We don't have to say anything. You know where it goes. Uh, And they set up the events for us. So our volunteers are as young as five years old and they go all the way up to, you know, 60, 65. Um, So volunteers, again, we can't, we wouldn't be able to do it without the 125 plus volunteers that we work with every year. And of course, some of those volunteers become donors. Uh, and for those who are able, we love we love our donors. But we have some new roles this year. Uh, one of them is called Play Champion. So every every community has someone who may be as enthusiastic about dodgeball as I am, right? But who you know is currently organizing community games of kickball, basketball, football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so we want to support those people. So we're starting a new program next month where if you identify yourself as a potential play champion, uh, we'll let you use our 501c3 to apply for grants from Neighbor Connections, MyCom, Land Studio, et cetera, et cetera. We offer marketing help. We can offer a small stipend. And best best yet, we just got a ton of equipment donated from the Keurig Foundation slash Good Sports. So all the equipment from 2019, we haven't touched in two years. So it's just sitting in a truck somewhere. So I came up with the idea of loaning it out. So if you sign up as a play champion, we'll give you access to our play inventory and you can borrow some of our equipment for free. Another role that we came up with is the playmaker. So uh, every nonprofit has a, a monthly donor program. Uh, we just started ours. It's called the Playmakers, <laughs> and it's a Friends of Recess Cleveland program. And by joining as a playmaker and making a small donation every month, you will help us kind of formulate the plan of uh, disbursement of our our free events. Also, create new games. Uh, when we get new equipment, guess who will be the first people to test it? <laughs> so uh, please uh, look into our playmaking program again if you are able. I love that. I, uh, Ashley and I are just in our chat window. We love the idea of changing the rules to keep people engaged. I mean, right, so many people change the rules to keep people out, right? But you're changing right. rules in a game to pe- keep people engaged. It's like a Calvin and Hobbes type situation, right? <laughs> We, we try to be inclusive and intergenerational. Those are uh, t- two pillars of the four that we are built on that are very important to us. I mean, a couple of responses that you've had uh, kind of bring this question to mind. What is it that you think, what is it about play that brings people into community with one another? I can't, I can't think of a better way to explain it other than the Cavs winning 2016 NBA Finals. Everybody remembers walking down the street, high-fiving, just hugging random people because you were wearing a Cavs gear, Cavs shirt. And that, that happened for a week. Like I was high-fiving people as they were driving by in their car. Like It's just the, the excitement. Of, it's the that whatever is innocent at all times and was there and present in that moment after you won the championship that also comes out during play. And then when you add music 
and free food. Again, you're speaking you're speaking a universal language that brings people together. Like everyone everyone who loves music uh will and listens to good or listens to music even if they can't understand what is being said, their ears will say this is good music. Uh even if they're uh, everyone who loves food, even if it's a uh you know, a food from a culture that they've never experienced, they can taste it and say this is good, right? Uh, now, when you're playing, though, if you're not having fun, <laughs> yeah, we make sure that we can we you know that we can change the rules so that you can have fun. And when you take all three of those together, uh, you, you get a great you get a great turnout and great feedback on recess. So you have an amazing story that you shared with us about what motivated you to be engaged in your community and what led you to uh, to launch Recess Cleveland, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you coming back? I feel like I already know the answer, but I really want to hear you say it. <laughs> Is it <I'm>, dodgeball? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the easy answer. The one word answer is smiles, uh, but there's a different, there's a, a much deeper answer. Uh, I'll try to keep it short, but uh, before I was the play guy, I was the workforce development guy. And as I mentioned, I, uh, or with Recess Cleveland, I'm sorry, not Recess Cleveland, with Cleveland Youth Landscaping and another landscaping program that uh, I work with here in Cleveland and a ton of partners, uh, we helped shape maybe, we helped change the trajectory of over 400 kids, a lot of them at risk, pre-entry, re-entry. We helped them find jobs. We, there were some kids that when, I met them. They had no proof they existed on this planet, meaning no uh, social security card, no ID, no birth certificate. Uh, and we found or we, we, we created programming that step by step removed those barriers to full time employment. And then once <laughs> once we removed all those barriers and found them a job, it created uh, capacity for us to add and help or add one more kid and help that person. So we had a a wonderful program going on, but at the end of the day, I was like, how do I, if, if it's pre-entry re-entry, right. Uh, that means that the person is about to be, or was formerly incarcerated, right. Uh, how do I reach those before they get to that level? And I look back and I remember in high school, I didn't have time to get in trouble. Literally, my day started. I my school was a half an hour from my house. I had to get up at six to be at school by like seven fifteen. Um, my school let out at three three thirty, but I had three hours of track practice or basketball practice or uh, they called it outdoor projects. But you had to do something for three hours after school every day. I get home at six thirty seven o'clock. I've yet to start my homework. Uh, I've also, I'm due for a meal soon. So it's, it's nine 30 and I may have finished all my homework. I've definitely eaten, but I didn't have time to get in trouble, you know? So I was thinking about ways that we can kind of fill up the day and give people or give kids, especially, uh, an alternative to doing some of the things that may get them in trouble someday. So we've, Recess Cleveland is a powerful, uh, positive time filler. 
And if you hang around long enough, and if we get the funding, we would throw recess for 10 hours a day. Just <laughs> And you can stay as long as you want, right? Um, we'll have multiple different shifts because <laughs> our staff is about worn out after three hours. But we can send multiple shifts of staff in there. But when you come when you come to a recess event, everyone focuses on the play. But that connection to wraparound services and finding out how we can make be- life better at home for you is equally as important. And the fact that you can't be, especially some of the youth out here, you can't be in two places at once. So you can't get in trouble while at recess, <laughs> you know. Uh, you, well, you can. I take that back. We've had some <laughs> I take that back. Uh, you can't get in trouble, but it won't be the type of trouble that will have you in a pre-entry re-entry program. So I, I think that um, it's it's fairly obvious, I think, at least to, to myself, and, and I'll speak for Ashley here and say, Ashley, that, that you are definitely providing an opportunity that, frankly, is really needed by the communities that you're in uh, and isn't provided by what, you know, and organizations that we might think should provide such services like schools, you know, governments. So, so you're definitely filling this empty gap that is necessary. But I really also think that you are an excellent example of civic engagement. So I'm curious, I mean, just your discussions of not just wraparound services, but building community around play, that that all of that hits to me as civic engagement. So I'm really curious about your definition of civic engagement. And if you had to kind of define what an engaged populace looks like, what, what would that be? All right. To me, civic engagement is just a group of people who take steps together that they've agreed upon to solve a problem. That's it. Uh, we practice uh, civic engagement every recess event where we're deciding what games we're going to play and what the rules of those games are going to be. Uh, so we hope that uh, some of that rubs off on in these community meetings when our attendees start going and start being, you know, more vocal and uh, present at these, at some of these meetings. Again, you learn a lot from the playground. (laughs) We're teaching civic engagement at recess. So um, what engaged populace looks like. Uh, I would like to reiterate that recess Cleveland doesn't directly do a lot of the work, a lot of the connecting, or we do the connecting. We don't do a lot of the actual work needed to get that done. So an engaged populace is people uh, kind of doing some of the connecting on their own, right? So what we're doing is not 100% special. It can easily be recreated. You got somebody who, uh, a youth 14 to 18 that needs a summer job, YOU does that. Like that took zero, it cost me zero dollars to say that. I just had to know not, I had to have knowledge of the program, right? So if we get our attendees connected to other programs and they're introduced to all of these programs, we want them to be talking about these programs outside of the event as well. And to me, that creates an engaged populace. I mean, I think there's something that's just, um, right. When you recreate the rules of the game, you're, you're engaging in negotiating these rules. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's, it's such, uh, as, as Ashley's t- telling me in our chat, it's a powerful <laughs> tool. It really is. It's a powerful tool to bring into a public setting. If you're in a public town hall meeting, or if you're thinking about right voting for somebody for some political office, 
it would teach you, I would think that your ideal is somebody that's engaged in negotiating the rules and having things turn out well for everyone, right? Yes, yes. And creating more positive situations. Like if you see there are rules that are inequitable while we're playing, we change the rules. Like it, it sounds, it sounds like common sense, but you, you, you look on some of these government levels and it's not happening that way. Uh, so hopefully they start coming to recess so we can get some stuff done. <laughs> I love that. Capital goes to recess. Let's exactly. Do it. <laughs> yes. Hey, Biden, I know you hear us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're going to make sure that that's in the, in our Twitter post. Oh, <laughs> our social media one. blast. Right. <laughs> A new type of recess at Congress. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's why they're so grumpy. They don't have any I recess. <laughs> they better listen. So we ask this of everybody on the podcast um, as we're wrapping up. And no different for you. I would love uh, to hear from you. Do you have any final words of wisdom to share with our listeners? Anything that you want them to take away from this conversation? Ah, all right. I got four things. I'll keep it at four. All right. Uh, number one, and this is probably like one of the most important uh, self-plug. If you see Recess Cleveland coming to your neighborhood, come out and play. It'll be so much fun. I promise. Number two, uh, this kind of speaks to my personal experience as an organizer. This computer engineer from Glenville who started a nonprofit because I went and played dodgeball says you don't have to be a social worker to change lives. Again, you don't have to be a social worker to change lives. Everyone, regardless of your background, has something to give and it can help us solve the, some of the problems that we're facing today. And I encourage everyone listening, if you are able to, to try to become an agent of change. That's all. Number three, while you're trying, uh, never ask anyone for permission to do good. That's one of my rules. Uh, we kind of take over spaces with Recess Cleveland. Sometimes we don't ask if we can take over that space. But if you want to kick us off for throwing recess out of school. <laughs> that's uh, on you. <laughs> that's on you, right? <laughs> Just so in, in summary, go do good things and let your instincts be the guide and guide you on your way while you're doing those good things. And number four is just like a personal saying I use all the time. Find your inspiration, wrap it up in your beliefs, market it with your passion, and you will build a family of followers who will help you create the action it takes to make a difference. That's all. Love it. Thanks so much for joining us, Alex. And you may regret uh, inviting us because Ashley and I love recess. Oh, awesome. That's a, see, it makes the event so much better when you already love recess. You know? <laughs> Some people are still getting to know us. <laughs> but we'll demand 10 hours of recess. We will. Oh, bring it. Bring it. Let's, <laughs> let's start with the Cleveland Foundation. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd Swan, and with me as always is my co host, Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is produced by David Yursa and edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studios right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Our podcast is supported by the American Political Science Association and our Patreon patrons. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website and our new blog at growingdemocracyoh.org. Join us next time when we continue this conversation about filling the gap.